You're listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Welcome to uh, another episode of Unscripted Stories, us. Um, my name's Aaron Golding. I use he, him pronouns. Um, and I'm an assistant director at Multicultural Student Affairs and one of the um, one of the folks working on this podcast. Um, I'm really excited today to welcome one of our newest graduate assistants. Alicia, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Alicia Solier. I am a first-year graduate student at the um, Documentary Media MFA program at Northwestern. And I am working with Athena students at Northwestern currently. You, you recently arrived to Evanston. Um, mm-hmm. how, 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 is it, how has it been in Evanston for you um, this quarter? Um, well, I haven't really been to campus at all. Mm. Um, I think I've been only like maybe a handful of times, like oh. for like COVID testing and then like maybe to like pick up equipment from uh, our the school of communication so I can like get like the camera equipment, mm-hmm. but that's, that's really been it. Like I haven't been um, really been in Evanston to be honest. Like I, so I live in Rogers park. Mm. Um, so it's like really close, but I just, I haven't really had a reason to like go to campus except to like pick things up or like get COVID testing. Um, so it's been, it's been an interesting experience because it's like, it's, this is a completely new city for me. Like I haven't, I've lived in Florida my whole life, born and raised in Florida. Mm-hmm. So this is a really weird experience, like a really weird, like first experience, like living in a different, completely different city um, during pandemic. Yeah. I know we talked uh, 1.2 recently about just the weather, right? And this mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. I think I shared with you that it's been unseasonably warm these past few years. Um, and right. it's been like 75 in, in Chicago. So that's been strange. Um, yeah. But it'll get cold. I mean, I've, I've, I've felt it already. <laughs> and I know that's not even the word. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. wait, where, where are you at where that it's so cold? Um, I know. <laughs> I'm in Rogers Park too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. This is, a, it's not going to be good for me when it actually gets cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I should also say that, um, you are talking to us over zoom. We're talking over zoom. And so, um, yeah, that's how we're, we're doing interviews these days. Um, mm-hmm. which is cool that we're still able to connect in this way. Um, mm-hmm. right. Um, and so where did you study as an undergrad and, and what were you studying? Yeah, so as an undergrad, I graduated from the University of Florida, um, and I studied journalism. Study journalism. So what was it that drew you to journalism? Um, I I mean, I didn't start out as a journalism major. I was actually pre-med when I entered really? college. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, and I think that was, like, mostly to appease my family um, especially my dad, he really wanted like at least one of his children to be doctors. Um, and I somehow, some way I thought that was going to be me. Um, and I couldn't be more wrong because after one semester, I knew immediately 
it was like I took like a chemist an intro to chemistry course uh-huh. it was required for like pre-med and like I um absolutely hated it what, what was it about it you hated so much uh everything <laughs> I mean, everything about it so like I quickly like realized like no no I'm no it's not happening um but I think like the fact that like I kept taking journalism classes mm-hmm. Like, for a while, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just keep doing this, you know, because, you know, it'd be nice to have, like, fun electives. But then, like, after a while, I realized, okay, like, I have enough credits where I could actually, like, if I wanted. <laughs> Halfway I through probably... the major already. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's exactly what happened. I was like, oh, you know, look at this. Like, I can actually graduate on time because I kept taking these classes. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it, was, it really wasn't until, like, I was halfway through undergrad where I was like, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this medicine stuff. Like I want to like fully commit to being a journalist and see where that takes me. When did that switch for you? When was that moment when you realized mm-hmm. I, I could, I could do this, that this is something I want to do? I don't know. I've always had a passion for storytelling, um, and for writing. And for me, I don't know. I just always loved, like, growing up, I don't know. I loved watching the news. I loved watching, like, documentaries and things like that. And I was just kind of an avid consumer of um, media. And I just have always been, I've always gravitated gravitated toward, um, I guess, like, the power of storytelling in media. But I, I really, like, I had it ingrained in my head that I needed to like, you know, like quote unquote, like a stable career, um, like whatever that means. I don't even like today, like I, my opinion on that is like obviously changed, but um, yeah, like for a while, I really didn't think that was something that I was capable of doing. Yeah. Did any of your other siblings join, go into medicine or anything like that? Oh, no, <laughs> definitely no. not. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> none of us. Like, it was just not in the cards. My sister is an artist. Um, she's also okay. she's also a storyteller. The family, yeah. we, we were just not destined to be doctors. We mm. were just not destined to be in the medical field. Like, we've always, like, really, like, enjoyed um, art and, like, storytelling and writing and I mean, it's even, like, stemmed from, like, my, my dad and my mom. Like, they, like, my dad, he's such a good, he draws so well, and he, like, makes such beautiful, like, he draws and, like, paints. He used to do that, at mm-hmm. least. Um, yeah. And then, like, I mean, also, like, he just loves telling stories, and so does my mom. So I feel like that's how we kind of um, inadvertently gravitated toward that as a career, because that's kind of, like, what we grew up with. Yeah. That was one of my questions was, you know, who, who in your family is the storyteller, right? Because I find, mm-hmm. you know, people that are really in, passionate about telling stories, um, there's always that person in the family that's just like an excellent storyteller that you look up to. So it sounds like your mom and your dad are the storytellers. Yeah, my mom, my dad, even my, my grandma. Yeah, I don't know. They told so many stories and um, they were like the people that like, really influenced me and like the way that I even like gravitate towards stories like they like I love hearing like my dad talk about his childhood in the Philippines and 
my mom, she told us a lot of stories about she grew up on the beach and um, it was a way that I got to get, feel connected to them and their life in the Philippines. Um, mm. I've never been to the Philippines and um, like it just helped me feel very connected to my identity. Um, it helped me just feel more rooted in, in myself as a Filipino woman and I think they played a really big part in that. So I've just always felt a connection, I guess, through their memories and stories. And that's what kind of rooted me to my identity as a Filipina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just speaks to like, I think the power that those stories have in, in, you know, in stories in general, just connecting um, folks to understanding of identity and self. Yeah. Stories mm-hmm. are just super important for that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, why is telling stories important to you as you think about, you know, this career that you're embarking on? Yeah. I mean, I think telling stories is so important because I think that it, there are a lot of untold stories and there are a lot of stories that people, um, you know, have it amplified. And I think that like when you tell stories, um, it kind of helps people feel seen and it helps people also, like, I feel like it helps people validate their experiences because I think once you hear, like, I know for me, like, even when I hear stories of, like, you know, Filipinos and Filipino-Americans, um, I just feel, like, this instant affinity, and I, I feel um, grounded in that, and I think that that's such a powerful experience, and I think that it also, I don't know, stories are so powerful because I think that it also just, like, gives visibility to people and visibility to people that are um so often in the margins and um for me like that's just like even my goals as a documentary filmmaker like I definitely like that is kind of like my prime goal like I want to amplify people's stories you know like I want to um you know give them that microphone and I think that um yeah I I I just feel a very strong affinity for, you know, using storytelling as a, I guess, a way to like, you know, facilitate progress and like kind of catalyze change. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I think it's such a powerful tool. Yeah. Um, so you're doing documentary film. So given what you were just sharing about kind of the benefits of story and, and the power of, uh, and, and why it's important, I mean, what are the benefits of the medium that you've chosen to tell stories? Mm-hmm. I think storytelling can be powerful in any way that it's done, whether it's written or whether it's heard. But I think that um, I gravitate towards film because I, I think visuals can be so powerful. It's an interesting challenge for me as someone who comes from like a journalism background because a lot of what I did before was like, you know, purely words or just relying on words rather than, you know, relying on images themselves or visuals to tell a story. Um, so I think for me, like I gravitate toward that because I think it's an interesting challenge for myself. But I also think that at the same time, visuals can be a really powerful way to move people. I think when you see something, it kind of makes things feel real. Um, and it kind of makes things, it just adds different dimension to, you know, empathizing with people and empathizing with people's stories. Um, so I think it kind of speaks for itself. Like, you know, the reason why I even like gravitate toward this career um, in film, you know, with visuals is that like, I, 
I found it powerful, like, because it, it just kind of, like, influenced me enough where I felt like I could, you know, replicate some of the things that I've seen or, like, you know, for me, like, I've just been inspired by a lot of what I've seen. Um, I just think there, there's so much power in, in visuals alone. saying you saw you've seen a bunch of things when you were younger and that's kind of reinforced your thinking around the power of filmmaking is there like what's one that comes to mind that's like one of your favorites that you feel like really kind of exemplifies what you're talking about oh man put you on the spot i know yeah (laughs) i think the one film for me um and this is not necessarily even a documentary um this is a fiction film but like it's called it's a french film it's called amelie oh man um and it is that movie yeah yeah oh my gosh that movie like so like visually engaging in so many ways and it's just very like um i just remember seeing that movie when i was really young when did you see it like how old were you where where were you i watched it with because like i i probably shouldn't have seen that movie so young (laughs) um because it's like it's definitely not like I, I'm not sure I would show it to my kids, but like my, I was watching it with my, my older sister. She's not even that much older than I am. She's like 18 months older than I am, but she's like extremely <laughs> mature. But like somehow, somehow, some way, uh, we started watching it. I think, gosh, how, maybe I was 11. Okay. I don't know. My parents, cause like, I think sometimes my, like, I remember my parents putting on like the Simpsons once cause they thought it was like a kid's show, <laughs> but he didn't realize it was a cartoon. Like, right, they didn't realize right. it was not, clearly not for kids. Um, it was just such a unique movie. Like, the colors and just, mm-hmm. like, you know, the camera movements and just, like, even the characterization and the dialogue and, like, the music. Like, there's just so many different elements to it. And I was like, this is, like, I want to make something like this. This yeah. is really cool. My parents were very much the same. Where, like, I was probably, I had pretty, a lot of access to, like, you know, cable and and HBO right. or whatever, and was watching things that probably were a little bit older than I should have been watching at like you right. know, eleven, right? Um, so yeah. no judgment over here, but um, that movie is is amazing though, and mm-hmm. I can remember seeing it. Um, I, I was old enough to see it. I think when in the theaters when it came out because I'm old. Oh wow, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> um, but <laughs> and it was just it's it's just one of those movies where it's like this is like a masterpiece. If I could ever tell a story Mm -hmm. half as good as this, I would feel so good about myself. You know, like it's just one of those movies Mm -hmm. that just like everything about it just draws you in and you're completely immersed in the story. Um, Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I can understand, I think why at 11 it would, you know, it would be so Mm -hmm. enchanting, right? Because it's just, Mm -hmm. it's magical. It has like magical elements to it, right? Right. Just like expand um, the dreaminess of reality and, Mm -hmm. um, and the colors are incredibly vibrant, you know? um, Right. And and the story is really good, right? And so Mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. even though there are elements that may have gone over your head, I can totally understand why um, that would draw you in. For sure. I immediately watched it like three or four times and, and I own it. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, me too. I've watched it so many times since. And the thing that went over my head when I was a kid 
like I totally get now. And I don't know. I think I've seen that movie like more than 10 times now. Yeah. I just like rewatching it. Last question. Um, what, what do you hope your stories will achieve? I think ultimately, um, for me, like I, I want it to move people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very, very broad way to put it, but I think I wanted to ultimately like move people to like think and to, um, challenge the status quo. Like I want, you know, even like when I start making films, I want my, my films to move people to not just like have empathy with people and just to be better people, mm-hmm. but to also like take action for marginalized people or people that are underrepresented. I just, I want my films, And also, you know, I also want my films to, for people that are represented in the, in the film. So, you know, for example, like I, I, I already know I want to tell stories of Filipino Americans. Mm-hmm. So I want Filipino Americans to feel like they are seen and that they are represented um, and that their stories are out there and that there are, there's a lot of, um, connection with our stories and that we're not alone. Um, I, I just want to create that sense of solidarity because mm-hmm. I think that there are so many untold Filipino American stories and Filipino stories. And I think that I want, I think thinking back at even myself growing up, like I, I yearned for those stories. So I think for me, I want my films to, you know, not even just for like Filipino Americans, but you know, for you know other communities of color that this might apply to. But I'm I'm hoping that there's a sense of like solidarity that's gained, and also the sense of like belonging and representation. Um, just so you know, people feel less alone ultimately. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to to see the stories you you tell and the stories you share with the world. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what would you tell, um, young Alicia that was thinking storytelling wasn't the thing to do? I would tell her that don't listen to, to like, just listen to yourself <laughs> and like trust your intuition. Hmm. Um, because ultimately like denying that is, you know, it's not going to work out. Um, so just trust, trust your intuition, trust what you know, trust what you love and just go from there. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. It's been really nice talking to you. I really appreciate you taking time and sitting down and chatting with, with us and, and for our podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, Alicia, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Um, thank you very much. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Us, Unscripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salam, Saeed Rezko, Sydney Hastings, and Jeanette Rojas. With support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from Us.